Section 24 of Marion Fay by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Volume 2, Chapter 2. Mrs. Roden's Eloquence. On Sunday, Hampstead was nervous and fidgety. He had at one time thought that it would be the very day for him to go to Holloway. He would be sure to find Mrs. Roden at home after church, and then, if he could carry things to the necessary length, he might also see Zachary Fay. But on consideration it appeared to him that Sunday would not suit his purpose. George Roden would be there, and would be sadly in the way. And the Quaker himself would be in the way, as it would be necessary that he should have some preliminary interview with Marion before anything could be serviceably said to her father. He was driven, therefore, to postpone his visit. Nor would Monday do, as he knew enough of the manners of Paradise Road to be aware that on Monday Mrs. Vincent would certainly be there. It would be his object, if things could be made to go pleasantly, first to see Mrs. Roden for a few minutes, and then to spend as much of the afternoon as might be possible with Marion Fay. He therefore fixed on the Tuesday for his purpose, and having telegraphed about the country for his horses, groom, and other appurtenances, he went down to Leighton on the Monday, and consoled himself with a day's hunting with the staghounds. On his return his sister spoke to him very seriously as to her own affairs, is not this almost silly, John, about Mr. Roden not coming here? Not silly at all, according to my ideas. All the world knows that we are engaged. The very servants have heard of it. That horrid young man who came from the post office was aware of it. What has all that to do with it? If it has been made public in that way, what can be the object of keeping us apart? Mamma no doubt told her sister, and Lady Persiflage has published it everywhere. Her daughter is going to marry a duke, and it has crowned her triumph to let it be known that I am going to marry only a post-office clerk. I don't begrudge her that in the least. But as they have talked about it so much, they ought at any rate to let me have my post-office clerk. I have nothing to say about it one way or the other, said Hampstead. I say nothing about it at any rate now. What do you mean by that, John? When I saw how miserable you were at Trafford, I did my best to bring you away. But I could only bring you here on an express stipulation that you should not meet George Roden while you were in my house. If you can get my father's consent to your meeting him, then that part of the contract will be over. I don't think I made any promise. I understand it so. I said nothing to papa on the subject, and I do not remember that I made any promise to you. I am sure I did not. I promised for you. To this she was silent. Are you going to ask him to come here? Certainly not. But if he did come, how could I refuse to see him? 
I thought that he was here on Saturday, and I told Richard to admit him. I could not send him away from the door. I do not think he will come unless he is asked, said Hampstead. Then the conversation was over. On the following day, at two o'clock, Lord Hampstead again started for Holloway. On this occasion he drove over and left his trap and servant at the Duchess of Edinburgh. He was so well known in the neighborhood now as hardly to be able to hope to enter on the domains of Paradise Row without being recognized. He felt that it was hard that his motions should be watched, telling himself that it was one of the evils belonging to an hereditary nobility. But he must accept this mischief as he did others, and he walked up the street, trying to look as though he didn't know that his motions were being watched, first from number 15 as he passed it, and then from number 10 opposite as he stood at Mrs. Roden's door. Mrs. Roden was at home, and received him, of course, with her most gracious smile. But her heart sank within her as she saw him, for she felt sure that he had come in pursuit of Marion Fay. "'It is very kind of you to call,' she said. "'I had heard from George that you had gone down into the country, since we had the pleasure of dining with you.' "'Yes, my father has been unwell.' and I had to stay with him a few days, or I should have been here sooner. You got home, all of you, quite well? Oh, yes. Miss Fay did not catch cold? Not at all, though I fear she is hardly strong. She is not ill, I hope. Oh, no, not that. But she lives here very quietly, and I doubt whether the excitement of going out is good for her. There was not much excitement at Hendon Hall, I think, he said, laughing. Not for you, but for her, perhaps. In appreciating our own condition, we are so apt to forget what is the condition of others. To Marion Fay it was a strange event to have to dine at your house, and strange also to receive little courtesies such as yours. It is hard for you to conceive how strongly the nature of such a girl may be affected by novelties. I have almost regretted, Lord Hampstead, that I should have consented to take her there. Has she said anything? Oh, no, there was nothing for her to say. You are not to suppose that any harm has been done. What harm could have been done? he asked. Of what nature was the harm of which Mrs. Roden was speaking? Could it be that Marian had made any sign of altered feelings, had declared in any way her liking or disliking, had given outward testimony of thoughts which would have been pleasant to him, or perhaps unpleasant, had he known them? No harm, of course, said Mrs. Roden, only to a nature such as hers all excitement is evil. I cannot believe that, he said, after a pause. Now and then in the lives of all of us there must come moments of excitement which cannot be all evil. What would Marion say if I were to tell her that I loved her? I hope you will not do that, my lord. Why should you hope so? What right have you to hope so? 
If I do love her, is it not proper that I should tell her? But it would not be proper that you should love her. There, Mrs. Roden, I take the liberty of declaring that you are altogether in the wrong, and that you speak without due consideration. Do I, my lord? I think so. Why am I not to be allowed the ordinary privilege of a man, that of declaring my passion to a woman when I meet one who seems in all things to fulfill the image of perfection which I have formed for myself, when I see a girl that I fancy I can love. Ah, there is the worst. It is only a fancy. I will not be accused in that way without defending myself. Let it be fancy or what not. I love Mary and Fay, and I have come here to tell her so. If I can make any impression on her, I shall come again and tell her father so. I am here now because I think that you can help me. If you will not, I shall go on without your help. What can I do? Go to her with me now at once. You say that excitement is bad for her. The excitement will be less if you will come with me to her house. Then there was a long pause in the conversation, during which Mrs. Roden was endeavoring to determine what might be her duty at this moment. She certainly did not think that it would be well that Lord Hampstead, the eldest son of the Marquis of Kingsbury, should marry Marion Fay. She was quite sure that she had all the world with her there. Were anyone to know that she had assisted in arranging such a marriage, that any one would certainly condemn her. That would assuredly be the case, not only with the young lord's family, not only with others of the young lord's order, but with all the educated world of Great Britain. How could it be that such a one as Marion Fay should be a fitting wife for such a one as Lord Hampstead? Marion Fay had undoubtedly great gifts of her own. She was beautiful, intelligent, sweet-minded, and possessed of natural delicacy, so much so that, to Mrs. Roden herself, she had become as dear almost as a daughter. But it was impossible that she should have either the education or the manners fit for the wife of a great English peer. Though her manners might be good and her education excellent, they were not those required for that special position. And then there was cause for other fears. Marion's mother and brothers and sisters had all died young. The girl herself had hitherto seemed to escape the scourge under which they perished. But occasionally there would rise to her cheeks a bright color, which for the moment would cause Mrs. Roden's heart to sink within her. Occasionally there would be heard from her not a cough, but that little preparation for coughing, which has become so painfully familiar to the ears of those whose fate it has been to see their beloved ones gradually fade from presumed health. She had already found herself constrained to say a word or two to the old Quaker, not telling him that she feared any coming evil, but hinting that change of air would certainly be beneficial to such a one as Marion. Acting under this impulse, he had taken her, during the inclemency of the past spring, to the Isle of Wight. She was minded gradually to go on with this counsel, 
so as if possible to induce the father to send his girl out of London for some considerable portion of the year. If this were so, how could she possibly encourage Lord Hampstead in his desire to make Marion his wife? And then, as to the girl herself, could it be for her happiness that she should be thus lifted into a strange world, a world that would be hard and ungracious to her, and in which it might be only too probable that the young lord should see her defects when it would be too late for either of them to remedy the evil that had been done? She had thought something of all this before, having recognized the possibility of such a step as this after what she had seen at Hendon Hall. She had told herself that it would be well at any rate to discourage any such idea in Marion's heart, and had spoken jokingly of the gallantry of men of rank. Marion had smiled sweetly as she had listened to her friend's words, and had at once said that such manners were at any rate pretty and becoming in one so placed as Lord Hampstead. There had been something in this to make Mrs. Roden almost fear that her words had been taken as intending too much, that Marian had accepted them as a caution against danger. Not for worlds would she have induced the girl to think that any danger was apprehended. But now the danger had come, and it behoved Mrs. Roden, if possible, to prevent the evil. "'Will you come across with me now?' said Hampstead having sat silent in his chair while these thoughts were passing through the lady's mind. "'I think not, my lord.' "'Why not, Mrs. Roden? Will it not be better than that I should go alone?' "'I hope you will not go at all.' "'I shall go, certainly. I consider myself bound by all laws of honesty to tell her what she has done to me.' She can then judge what may be best for herself. Do not go at any rate to-day, Lord Hampstead. Let me beg at least as much as that of you. Consider the importance of the step you will be taking. I have thought of it, said he. Marion is as good as gold. I know she is. Marion, I say, is as good as gold. But is it likely that any girl should remain untouched and undazzled by such an offer as you can make her? Touched, I hope she may be. As for dazzled, I do not believe in it in the least. There are eyes which no false lights can dazzle. But if she were touched, as would no doubt be the case, said Mrs. Roden, could it be well that you, with such duties before you, should marry the daughter of Zachary Fay? Listen to me a moment, she continued, as he attempted to interrupt her. I know what you would say, and I sympathize with much of it. But it cannot be well for society that classes should be mixed together, suddenly and roughly. What roughness would there be? he asked. As lords and ladies are at present, as dukes are, and duchesses, and such like, there would be a roughness to them in having Mary and Fay presented to them as one of themselves. Lords have married low-born girls, I know, and the wives have been contented with a position which has almost been denied to them, or only grudgingly accorded. 
I have known something of that, my lord, and have felt, at any rate I have seen, its bitterness. Marion Fay would fade and sink to nothing if she were subjected to such contumely. To be Marion Fay is enough for her. To be your wife, and not to be thought fit to be your wife, would not be half enough. She shall be thought fit. You can make her Lady Hampstead, and demand that she shall be received at court. You can deck her with diamonds, and cause her to be seated high in honor, according to your own rank. But could you induce your father's wife to smile on her? In answer to this he was dumb. Do you think she would be contented if your father's wife were to frown on her? My father's wife is not everybody. She would necessarily be much to your wife. Take a week, my lord, or a month, and think upon it. She expects nothing from you yet, and it is still in your power to save her from unhappiness. I would make her happy, Mrs. Roden. Think about it, think about it and I would make myself happy also. You count my feelings as being nothing in the matter. Nothing as compared with hers. You see how plainly I deal with you. Let me say that, for a time, your heart will be sore, that you do in truth love this girl so as to feel that she is necessary to your happiness. Do you not know that if she were placed beyond your reach you would recover from that sting? the duties of the world would still be open to you. Being a man, you would still have before you many years for recovery, before your youth had departed from you. Of course you would find some other woman and be happy with her. For her, if she came to shipwreck in this venture, there would be no other chance. I would make this chance enough for her. So you think, but if you will look abroad, you will see that the perils to her happiness which I have attempted to describe are not vain. I can say no more, my lord, but can only beg that you will take some little time to think of it before you put the thing out of your own reach. As she had once accepted your love, I know that you would never go back. Never. Therefore think again while there is time. He slowly dragged himself up from his chair, and left her almost without a word at parting. She had persuaded him to take another week. It was not that he doubted in the least his own purpose, but he did not know how to gainsay her as to this small request. In that frame of mind which is common to young men, when they do not get all that they want, Angry, disappointed, and foiled, he went downstairs and opened the front door, and there on the very steps he met Marion Fay. Marion, he said, pouring all the tenderness of his heart into his voice. My lord? Come in, Marion, for one moment. Then she followed him into the little passage, and there they stood. I had come over to ask you how you are after our little party. I am quite well. And you? I have been away with my father, or I should have come sooner. Nay, it was not necessary that you should trouble yourself. 
It is necessary. It is necessary, or I should be troubled very much. I am troubled. She stood there looking down on the ground as though she were biding her time, but she did not speak to him. She would not come with me, he said, pointing up the stairs on which Mrs. Roden was now standing. She has told me that it is bad that I should come, but I will come one day soon. He was almost beside himself with love as he was speaking. The girl was so completely after his own heart as he stood there close to her, filled with her influences, that he was unable to restrain himself. "'Come up, Marion, dear,' said Mrs. Roden, speaking from the landing. "'It is hardly fair to keep Lord Hampstead standing in the passage.' "'It is most unfair,' said Marion. "'Good day, my lord.' I will stand here till you come down to me, unless you will speak to me again. I will not be turned out while you are here. Marion, you are all the world to me. I love you with my whole, whole heart. I had come here, dear, to tell you so, but she has delayed me. She made me promise that I would not come again for a week, as though weeks or years could change me. Say one word to me, Marion. One word shall suffice now, and then I will go. Marion, can you love me? Come to me, Marion, come to me, said Mrs. Roden. Do not answer him now. No, said Marion, looking up and laying her hand gently on the sleeve of his coat. I will not answer him now. It is too sudden. I must think of words to answer such a speech. Lord Hampstead, I will go to her now. But I shall hear from you. You shall come to me again, and I will tell you. Tomorrow? Nay, but give me a day or two. On Friday I will be ready with my answer. You will give me your hand, Marion? She gave it to him, and he covered it with kisses. Only have this in your mind, fixed as fate that no man ever loved a woman more truly than I love you. No man was ever more determined to carry out his purpose. I am in your hands. Think if you cannot dare to trust yourself into mine. Then he left her and went back to the Duchess of Edinburgh, not thinking much of the eyes which might be looking at him. End of section 24 Recording by Arnold Banner, Thurmond North Carolina.